right, guys. Welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. Uh, we are blessed to be joined by Antonio Cromartie. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, talk with me today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I see a potential cornerback one. Uh, can move very well. Does can play man to man very well. I think that he is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. He does things that are so amazing, and the competitor in him is just special. Um, I'm excited, man, and I I can't wait to get there. I think it does really fit my skill set. All right, guys. Welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans, currently ran by Jack Easterby. <laughs> Brought to you by Jack Easterby. Oh man. Um Welcome to another edition, another disappointing loss of uh, you know, just disappointment and awfulness from the defense. Uh, I, God damn it, Sinister. I knew it was gonna come up. I just I threw it on right before I picked up my daughter from volleyball. I'm not pulling for the Dodgers. Thank you, Joey. Um, Wrong hat to wear. But, yeah, I think um, – uh, look, all right, so let's get through all the other – the mumbo-jumbo. Uh, make sure you guys are hit that like and subscribe button. Make sure you guys turn notifications on so you know when we go live. Um, I do have some stuff coming this week with Green Bay uh, that will be out early or later this week. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at HoustonFBPod. Shout-out to Jair for growing the Houston FB Pod Twitter account. Uh, you can follow me at Houston FP, FP, FB Pod Guy, and you can follow John at John Wade, Wade 3 on Twitter. Don't forget to follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts, Patrick Storm at Patrick Storm TU, and Jair at JRL Sports TU as well. Uh, make sure you guys go to the website, uh, TexansUnfiltered.com. That's where everything, all the writing is happening. John is in the, uh, is currently uh, jonifying my article that is all over the place and making it pretty, but he understands me, so he's able to probably make this look ten times better than what it would have been. Uh, Jordan put out a great article the, uh, earlier um, regarding Titus Howard, so make sure you guys go read that. Uh, shirts are available on the site. Hats are available on the site. All that good stuff. Um, and, yeah, that's um, – that's about it, John. How are you? How are you feeling? I'm I'm good. Uh, I'm I'm good. Um, yeah. Got you know I'm still in grad school, so this week's kind of sucked with that. And you know I feel like my Gamecocks ended up sacrificing both the Astros and the Texans this weekend because you know the Gamecocks actually beat the number 15 team in the nation, so I'm pretty happy about that. That's about the high point of my of my weekend, and of course that was the first game of the weekend. So, but I got that going for me at least. Um, yeah, and then everything else. I mean, we're still stuck in the house. Like, we're going to be stuck in the house forever. So I, I don't even know. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, so let's get to the game. Let's get to the game. Before we do that, make sure you guys go to manscaped.com, use promo code TEXANS. We need six more promo codes used by the end of the month. So if you That's guys got our back, no, it's not. If you guys got our back, this will be a huge partnership for us through the end of March. So if you guys really fuck with us, uh, then, uh, you know, go to go to manscaped.com, use promo code TEXANS, get the lawnmower 
where you can get your weeds whacked and then maybe get whacked later as well. So, oh, oh, you like that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that one, dude. I, I don't know. <laughs> you don't like you don't like to get whacked? Uh, but just the way you the way you okay. phrased that, that All right. was so, a little, <laughs> a little awkward. A little awkward. All right, John doesn't like to get whacked. We're gonna move on. Um, all right, let's get to the disappointing and just depressing is probably really like the the, the best way to put it. Um, Austin, you're already manscaping. I love it. Um. Actually, before we get to the game, uh, practice squad, four total now. Is that suspicious? Sign another wide receiver. I'm not really putting too much thought into that. And then didn't we just also sign Eli Anku too? Yep, it's there if you read it. Yeah. Uh, Damian Ratley released Ryan Glasgow. Uh, Houston Texans claim playoff waivers from the Colts. Eli Anku, uh, who they had, I think, on the practice squad a year ago, 2017. 17, that's it. Uh, solid run stopper, uh, so more talent um, on the defensive line to potentially fix the run defense, which honestly I don't see that run defense being any better. Uh, I, I just I can't seem to find a way to be able to do that. But um, All right, so initial impressions of the game. Look, my initial impressions of the game is that Deshaun Watson uh, is free. Um he needs to be he needs to be paid for um basically them hurting his his Bill O'Brien holding him back. Uh he looks so comfortable out there. I watched you all twenty two today. Uh unfortunately I turned the clips into gifts, so I couldn't they were too large of gifts for Twitter, so I wasn't able to put out a thread, but um the I mean Deshaun look, I if I told you right now, John that Deshaun Watson was number three in passing yards, would you believe me based on the first four weeks of the season? Yeah, because I pay attention to that. Okay. It's a good point. It's a very good point. But, yeah, I pay attention to it, so I was very well aware of that. I yeah. mean, it's, we can't run the ball, so he's he's got to throw it. And we look so much better when we just kind of let him throw That was a very quick point while I sipped on my sweet tea from Bush's Chicken, John. So really don't appreciate uh, they have that. Good sweet tea. Good, good they have, sweet tea. They have great sweet tea. Um, yeah, no, I mean, just Sean had, had a, a perfect game, a perfect game at quarterback. Um, he looked so control. He got everybody involved. Uh, the offense was just humming. Um, and then, you know, he was let down by the defense as usual. I mean, he literally was dropping dimes. I mean, the throw to Darren Fells between the two, the linebacker and the safety, was just insane. Just a beautiful yeah. throw. That out to, I think it was Cobb. It was either Cobb or Cooks. Beautiful. Just a gorgeous sideline throw. Well, he's uh, he's playing comfortable. Corner post. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's playing comfortable again. That's what we needed him to do. And, I mean, I hate to say it, though, like, I, I put in the comment that, honestly, this game was way more of what I kind of expected, so I'm not crazy disappointed. After the way that the season started and our offense um, being stuck in gear, um, I knew we, we talked about it. We said that if our defense made it to the middle of the pack, and we were optimistic that they could, then we would have a very good team based on our offense. Because our offense should be able to come out and look like it has the past two weeks. 
this shouldn't have surprised anybody. This is what we were expecting. He has all the weapons in the world. He's playing free right now. He's playing comfortable. He's just reading, reacting, and he's playing great ball. And with this being his third year, this is the jump we expected from Watson because he's flashed it. He's always flashed it at times. He has the capability to be great, and he has been great and in so many different ways. So we're seeing that out of the offense. So that makes me happy. Defense, you know, the defense has a bad case of trying to do too much itis. So the guys on our defense that are actually good are getting themselves out of permission, out of position because they're trying to to do too much, and they're absolutely causing more damage than good. And so that's where we're at with our defense, and that's why I'm actually okay with it because if they settle down, it's like they don't have to stop them every time. Once they have faith in their offense and they realize they don't have to stop the other team's offense every time, I think a lot of that's going to settle down. Yeah, it sucks to lose to the Titans. I hate the Titans. I have to deal with my dad. I hate going to that stadium. I hate seeing our history up there in Nashville. Like, it, I hate the Titans. I really, really hate the Titans. But I'm not as depressed as I could be, even though we're staring at going, staring at one and six, because this is the team that I expected. And this is the team that I could actually turn around with an interesting season if we want them to. Unless they decide to punt. If they decide to punt and start selling off assets, well, I would actually probably be more disappointed because the guy that's going to be doing the selling really shouldn't be doing the selling. Yeah, ultimately, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about trading JJ and things like that right now. I, I, I don't, I, I'll be honest. I, if they traded JJ, I'd be more shocked that they did that than trading DeAndre Hopkins. If they uh, trade JJ, it's because somebody because JJ has to be trades traded, yeah. and he's kind of he's kind of earned that. Um, he has, I mean, he really has. If he goes up to Cal and he's like, Cal, I want to win a Super Bowl. This isn't happening here. Will you let me go? And I could see that happening. That's the only way that it's happening. Yeah, I would agree. I, I just I don't think people realize how much money he brings into the franchise. And ultimately, that's, you know, you run a business to be profitable and to make money. And there are certain things in a business where you have to you have to just kind of swallow it and deal with it, um, whether it's better for your team long term or not. Uh, ultimately, the bottom line being affected is going to always be uh, an issue, especially when you talk about trading a player like J.J. Watt. It's just not going to be something that the team's going to be able to um, – wrap their head around. I mean, financially, sure. I mean, you can make a, you know, from an ROI perspective, you could probably make an argument that in two to three years it pays off. But right now for the next two to three years, the Jersey sells uh, everything else that he sells for the, for the, for the Texans. It's just, it's a, it's a negative no matter how you, how you cut it. And I just can't see it. Uh, let's start with this. I look, we can go on and on about the offense. Uh, the offense was a uh, flawless outside of the run game again. But, I mean, I guess we could talk about the negatives of the run game. I, I made clips. I wonder if I can show all my clips. I could. Um, you actually can for the YouTube stream. I mean, Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could. I'm going to pull them up right now because um, I don't – I did not – I did not see what everybody else says they saw um, from David. I, I literally saw when it came to David Johnson there, I know people are saying he could do better and I agree a hundred percent. He definitely could do better. And that's not, 
that's not my my qualm. My qualm is the fact that where is he supposed to go on this play? Like ultimately, like I don't I don't understand what's going on with the internet. There we go. Where is he supposed to go on this play? Somebody tell me in the comments. Where is he supposed to go? Okay, so as Jeffrey just... Simmons just blows by everybody. Anybody? No, uh, he makes he makes Simmons miss. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, and here's another one. Like, I, I just, I guess that's my thing. Is sure, David could be better. I understand 100. percent You know, contact second layer. But like, where is he supposed to run? You guys tell me in the comments. I can't see the comments right now, but uh, this was a pretty decent run given what he was, what he had to work with. Why was Carlos getting better gains than Johnson? I'm not sure. I'm just oh, saying he could have he could have followed. Could have followed where? Darren could have followed 74 and gone up, but 74. I'm sorry. 64. 73. Oh, Fulton. Yeah. Granted, that's a surprise. Um, but right. Yeah, there was he could have he could have gone to the right, followed 73. But it's a counter. Misdirection. So what is he supposed to do on that if it's a misdirection play? He's supposed to know that he can counter, go there? You can see it is. It's a misdirection. Step out right and then back left. That's a misdirection. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say is I, I, I get the hate. I, I understand it all needs to be blamed on everybody. Everybody should be blamed, but – um, I just I think it's funny that everybody's just blaming Johnson. That's just me. But um, yeah, the run game wasn't good. Um, but the passing offense was just amazing. I can't wait till Aikens comes back. It's going to be that much better. Um, but let's talk about this defense, John, because I. Where do we go from here? I'll let you. I'll let you tell us. Right now, I think the biggest thing that this defense needs to do is just settle down. They've got to realize that they no longer have to win us games. They don't have to do anything other than do literally their jobs. Like, they don't have really the talent to be a game changer, but they can lose games for us. And that's kind of where we're at. Um, they just played so undisciplined against the Titans, it was kind of ridiculous. And there's always been a knock on rookie defensive coordinators, I said it at the beginning of the year, that – Rookie defensive coordinators have never finished within the top 20 of NFL in total defense. They have the capability of stringing together a couple of good games, but it's just the adjustment. And what Weaver was, Weaver did some magic the first couple of games. Like if you go back and you look at the Chiefs game and you go and you look at the Ravens game, we came out of that thinking, okay, our defense isn't going to be great, but it's not going to be as bad. Like we got upper percentile performances out of our defense. He was being creative. He was getting the guys. He was getting the guys productive. And those two losses really were not on the defense. This game was squarely on the defense. Whenever we dropped into zone, Tannehill just feasted. And we ran out of – apparently we don't – I don't know what, what we are doing with our cornerback situation. Um, Lonnie is continuing to play safety. 
yet we have no depth at corner. We have two guys that we can put on the field, and one of them's not not what I'd say is good. With uh, Vernon Hargraves, um, he's 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 fine as a rotational, he's fine in spots, but he has not been good. Bad things always happen when Philip Gain goes out there. So we don't have enough corners to play to play man, and the one guy that we have that's really good at playing man, they moved him to safety. Or granted, we're, we're struggling at safety too, but you would think that, that extra body playing cornerback right now, especially at a team like the Titans, would have been beneficial. And yeah, uh, John Reed, I don't think he got any. Did he get any snaps? Um, like he he flashed on against special the teams Chiefs. only. Yeah, he flashed against the Chiefs, and they haven't played him since. Um, so I don't know. At this I, at this point, I think that. Part of me wonders if it was just Bill O'Brien just because Bill O'Brien still has a shadow over this team. But his idea of not trusting rookies, I wonder if that that got shared and adopted by everybody. Or maybe it was something they, they all came to the same agreement on. We're not going to trust rookies. But at this point, see what you have of Gennard, unless he's still hurt. See what you have of John Reed, unless he's hurt or I don't I don't know what else is going on. Because... The Titans, we did better when we did when we played man, but we couldn't play man the entire game because we don't have enough guys in our corner rotation. Yeah, I, it, this team's missing Conley, and it doesn't sound like Conley's coming back. Um, hopefully, hopefully that means that that Garyan can be signed for a cheap deal in the off season, come back fully healthy, and play opposite of Roby. Um, yeah, Lonnie playing at safety now at this point. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me, um, you know, especially given the amount of zone that this team's playing. You would think that he would be better than Vernon Hargraves on the outside. Um, he he should go back to to corner. This team has no other corners on. Why isn't Cam Crossing getting any snaps at corner? He's got to be better than Vernon or, or Philip Gaines. He's got to. I think he could at least go in there for when they want to play man because he's one of the fastest players in the NFL. Like, yeah. he's just a freak athlete. And, I mean, it shows up on punt coverage and kickoff coverage. He's always the first guy down, which is great. But, you know, you would think that he's a corner and that can play at least a little bit. I just don't get it. And, I mean, the only defense I will say for Lonnie playing safety is, I mean, he can tackle. And we need somebody back that can tackle right now. The the biggest The, the biggest issue this team has – outside of the corners is their gap discipline, Zach Cunningham playing just the worst football I've seen him play. And that's including his rookie year. He, he has this thing now where he wants to stay standing when tackling. I can't seem to understand it. I can't, I can't grasp the concept of why that is something he's looking to do. He wants to throw them to the ground and he doesn't want to dive or tackle as if, as if he's playing to get paid a contract, not I just signed my contract. It makes zero sense to me. I don't understand it. Good. Well, there's times where I think he's out there trying to do too much. Like he's trying to cheat over because he doesn't trust the other guy to make a tackle. He's trying to cheat over because he doesn't hope uh, trust. Um... <laughs> I'm not gonna. I will. Yeah, Scarlet to hold the edge um, on running plays, mm-hmm. like. You can tell that he's he's playing with a lack of trust, and it's the same with Justin Reed. 
Like they are trying to do too much. They are out of position because they're – I mean, this is a guess. I don't know for sure, but it looks like they are just – they're out of position because they're trying to do too much. Now, Cunningham's tackling, I have no idea what the hell is up with that other than him. He's just desperately trying to make a highlight reel, get people fired up maybe, or I don't know. But it needs to be addressed, and this may come back to them having a rookie coordinator. Maybe maybe Rack will get all up in there and get them straight, but we at least we probably still give up 500 and something yards against the Titans if they you know played gap discipline, just played within themselves, and they didn't do that. But if we'd only given up 500 and something yards, we win the game. Yeah. I, so Justin Reed is another. So the biggest issue I have with this defense is the fact that. Both two players coming into this year that we should have expected to take another step in their development and be uh, staples in this defense for the next couple of years are playing their worst football so far in the NFL, and that's Justin Reed and Zach Cunningham. Those and two it's worse taking their career, like they were better what, as rookies. That's what I'm saying. Taking a step back in their development, it looks as if those those two are just trying to do too much they're not they're not staying disciplined look Tyrell Adams had another good game he definitely had some he had some issues in coverage but he had another good game and like you would think that with him and Zach this team would be better off that's not the case Justin Reed just looks lost out there um he he doesn't look confident and this is exactly right he's playing soft since he got his uh his injury um and that's that's the biggest thing. He looks hesitant out there. A lot of the players look hesitant. They don't look confident. They don't look ready to make a play. They look as if they're hesitant, and that that never it, that never helps, especially when tackling, diagnosing a gap. You got to be confident. You miss, you miss. But uh, yeah, I, I just don't know what's going on with those two, uh, and 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 those two really need to step up their game because those are the two players that can really help this defense, and we're not getting a lot out of it. PJ Hall played a good game; he was in the backfield quite a bit. Uh, you know, JJ had a great game. Uh, Ross Blacklock went in had had a, a couple splash plays. Um, he needs to play more. Jacob Martin in, in drop back in coverage will never ever not just completely flip, like, just make me flip my lid. It's the same thing we've seen with Whitney Merciless. It makes zero sense. He should be getting way more snaps than what he's getting. But the fact that we're dropping him back into coverage 23% of his snaps is ridiculous. It's awful. The whole scheme is awful. And this is, like you said, we saw from Weaver in week one and two a decent game plan and a decent scheme. But then – out of nowhere, these guys aren't doing anything. Omenihu, I don't know where he's at. I don't. I don't know what Charles is doing. He he can't be found. Merciless is MIA completely. Like I, I get it. Last week and the week before, he had some sacks. He's a team leader in sacks. Whatever. Like the dude is missing. Brennan Scarlett should not be on the field at all. Period. I don't keep them on special teams and field goal blocks. Outside of that, it should be Jonathan Grenard and Jacob Martin, and not in that order. It should be Jacob Martin and Jonathan Grenard if you're going to play Merck. But I'd rather see those two guys on the opposite side 
uh, and and see what happens. I'd rather see Grenard and Jacob Martin. I, I, Grenard can set an edge. It's the one thing he can do extremely well. He did it extremely well in college. So I just don't understand why we're not trying new players, why we're not playing the rookies, and why we're not doing whatever we can to mix it up to try to do things different. And that's probably the biggest issue I have with this team is the fact that we're not trying new things. We just keep rolling the same thing out there every week, and it's the same exact results. This week is going to be a get-right game for Green Bay. They couldn't get the ground going last week against Tampa Bay, of course, because they have a stout D-line, and Todd Bowles is their D.C., and Green Bay is going to run all over us. Yeah, true story. It's going to happen. It's going to be bad. It's almost like Weaver did not do a whole bunch of zone blitzing the first couple of weeks. He he would send an extra guy. So he would do more of a traditional blitz where corner blitzes, linebacker blitzes, he would do he would mix that up. This week he had done dropping back into coverage. That same it's the same shit that used to always piss you off about rack. It's a it's a conservative way to blitz where you try and fool the blockers on who's coming versus who's not coming. And I mean it can be effective if your team is built a little bit better for it. And Dunn shouldn't be dropping into coverage. And I don't I still to, for the life of me don't understand what they do not see in Jacob Martin. Like, seriously, you could just go out there, let them not even get too, I don't even know, just stay very vanilla with your scheme, but let your best players out there and you'll get better results than this. It's almost like they're trying to outthink themselves, and they're stuck in habits that have already been exposed. They were good years ago, but the NFL's moved on. They can diagnose these things. Sometimes when you're in a situation like this where you have a bunch of athletes but you don't have a lot of good players, just let them be athletes. And I swear, I think that it's the issue the offense almost had at the beginning of the year where they were trying to do too much, they were outthinking themselves, they were being overcoached, has now kind of sort of moved over to the defense where they are undermanned. They do lack talent. They have legitimate excuses, but the coaching staff is either overcoaching them or putting the trust in guys that they re- – well, I mean, not or. They definitely are putting trust in guys that they shouldn't be putting trust in. Like, Merciless should not be out there as much as he is. I, For the life of me, I want to know what Brennan Scarlett has done to earn so much playing time. Martin creates more havoc when he's out there. He is no worse at setting the edge. He actually gets to the passer. He is able to do – slip blockers in the run game and actually get tackles for loss. I mean, I guess they just love Scarlett's fundamentals. I guess they love his hand placements because he's not setting the edge. He's not tackling. I don't know what he's doing. Like, that's, to me, the biggest head scratcher. I just really do not know what he's doing, other than he's a little bit thicker than Martin, and they just want the bigger guy out there. That's the only thing I can think of. And Merck is out there because he's a veteran. Whereas they really need to give Grenard. If, the only thing I can think of with Grenard is he's not healthy. Like, that has to be it. Grenard doesn't have off-the-charge off the athleticism. This, Grenard, coming out of college, though, was more polished. He was supposed to be one of the more NFL-ready prospects in the entire draft. 
Like he's a smart player, very polished. He's very technical. Um, and he should have been able to have been dropped in almost from day one and not been a drop off. And he's not getting any playing time. I know he had hamstring injuries or issues at the beginning of camp or through camp and at the beginning of the season. Is that still it? Is that still happening? I don't know, but that's the only excuse I can think of. And Blacklock, I mean, yeah, he screws up, but he's an athlete. Let him play. He's, I mean, they've got to try something. Yeah, I would agree. I think my biggest issue is the fact that this looks more like Rack's defense than anything else. It's specifically the final drive in, in regulation, soft coverage, no blitzes, rushing three. Uh, it just it looked identical to what we've seen from Rack. It was very identical to what we saw against the Saints last year in the season opener. Um, and they play to lose. But, you know, and, and that's coming off of playing to win on the offensive side and going for the two-point conversion instead of the one. At that point, you might as well risk it all and send 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 something towards Ryan Tannehill, try to get him uncomfortable. Uh, but they chose not to do that. Uh, they rushed. I don't know how many times they rushed three. I'd have to go back and look. But um, just based off memory, it looked like they rushed three quite a bit. It was it was a nine play drive, um, and yeah, I, I don't understand it. Let, let's talk about the two point play, John. Um, I was in favor of it. I actually, I, I I complete. I have no no qualms whatsoever. With that play call, I thought that was the exact play call that you should. Um, Deshaun obviously thought it too, given you know his um, his reaction when he lost the tw- the the, the um, coin toss. Um, but yeah, I mean, did you? I mean, you thought it was the right move, and I, I I had no questions whatsoever. I had no issues with it whatsoever. Um, we knew our defense was struggling, and the thing was the Titans struggled to kick field goals. They missed one and had another one block. And this has been an on, I watch all the Titans games. They, they can't find a kicker to save their life. Um, even signing Goskowski, who's like the most accurate kicker of all time. Like he dropped out of the top 10 since he joined the Titans. So whatever they're doing, they can't figure out how to kick the ball. And here's the truth. If we go for one, the Titans have to go for two. They're going to get it when they go for two. We weren't going to stop them. I'm actually more surprised that Vrabel didn't try and end it right there and avoid overtime because if they'd gone for two, they were going to get it. There was no doubt. So I get it. I would rather trust – I would trust ourselves to not stop them and have them try and make another kick because that's what they were struggling with. In my mind, I don't even understand why this is an issue other than people just wanting something, one singular issue to – to blame the game on, but it, that's not the singular issue to blame the game on. Like, no, it, it doesn't change anything. Like, nothing would have changed had he kicked the field goal versus going for two. Nothing. The only thing that would have possibly changed is if we score, the game was over, if we actually converted, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. convert the game over. That's it. So if we were actually able to convert it, that that would have changed it. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah, no, I, I I have no I have no issues with the call. I thought it was the right decision. You put the ball in the in your best player's hand. He's been hot all game. He's been hot for two weeks. I mean, his stat line is is you know through these two weeks is absolutely ridiculous. I think I have it right here. Let me see if I can find it. 
through the la- for the la- uh, in the last two games, Deshaun Watson is 50 of 65, 73.75%. Six TDs, zero interceptions, 536 passing yards. I mean, you you couldn't ask for you couldn't ask for a better performance from your quarterback. Um, he he's been spectacular. He's done everything he can, and yet we, you know, disappoint I mean, and drop off. Watson is putting together a very good season. He's going to be. For the season, he's already at around he's around seventy percent completion, number three in yards. Where he was struggling at the beginning of the year was touchdowns, and part of that though was our offense also being put in bad spots by run on first down, run on second down, and there was absolutely no creativity in those running plays. So Deshaun's actually played pretty consistent the entire year. He's having a really really good year. Yep. Well, we put him. He was put in positions at the beginning of the year where they were asking him to do too much. When you're second and nine and you're asking him trying to do, or you're third and nine consistently or third and eight or third and seven, like long third downs. And that's when you finally get to Sean a chance to throw. And this is, and I mean, you can go back and listen to the shows earlier when I kept talking about, we need to get him in rhythm, give him shows that he can, that he can getting, that he can complete easy completions, get the ball moving instead of these long, um, instead of these third and longs, or they would always try and throw it deep. It's amazing. Now that they've mixed in more short passes, more quick passes, the deep ball opens up. You can set up pass plays with other pass plays. You can set up running the ball with pass plays. That's how the modern NFL coach usually thinks. Any coach that thinks that you have to run to set up the pass, still in this day and age, is, st- is stuck in the wrong generation. This is why you see um, the Shanahan's and um, why can't I think of the guy in L.A.'s name right now? Uh, Sean McVay. Like, it's that new mindset that it's like they're going to come in and they're going to set up their running play game with their passing game. And even Shanahan, who can, is able to set up runs with runs, knows the value of having short passes, m- mobile pockets, easy completions to set up more runs. And thankfully – now that things have kind of changed, the Texans have started to realize that. And we're not going to be – we're not we're, – I mean, here's the thing. That extra seed this year, we're not completely out of it. It sucks where we're at, and I'm we're going to be 1-6 because we're not beating Green Bay. But there is still life in this team because they have figured out what they need to do on offense, and they have realized that they just need to trust Deshaun. Deshaun – has had a good season. He's going to continue to have a good season because even these past couple of games, like the yardage is there because of the better quality of passes that he's allowed to to throw. But his completion percentage has been fine. And, I mean, heck, he had his most interceptions last week when we won. So just let Deshaun be Deshaun and we'll at least be in every game this year. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um I don't really have anything else on the game, to be honest with you. I, I mean, the the defense defense isn't doing anything. Um, we have to hope that we continue to see a trend in, in, in offense with Tim Kelly and, and Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, and I said that a couple weeks back when we talked about Bill O'Brien being fired. I mean, this is really Tim Kelly's only opportunity to really 
audition for another chance at doing something with an offense on a team. Um, and he he's putting on exactly what you would hope that he would do. Um, you know, the audition's going extremely well two weeks in. And, you know, to be honest with you, I, at first I thought there was no chance of keeping Tim Kelly as the offensive coordinator. If 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 we get this between him and Deshaun the rest of the season, I think that there's a good chance that he's at least interviewed and considered for a position with Deshaun, given what he did with them this season, if they continue on this pace. Um, that That's the only way I can see it. Um, because it's a hard it's a it's a hard sell. When head coaches come in, they have their guys. They already have people in mind. They already have their relationships established. So it's an uphill battle for Tim Kelly. But if he comes in and continues to do what he's doing, it's going to be it's going to be very hard for anybody with a brain to ignore what he did um, and what he's doing. So you know, I, I'm not opposed to it through two games. Ask me again at the end of the season what I think, but. Uh, if this continues to be the, uh, you know, the projection of of the Tim Kelly Deshaun Watson offense, uh, I'm fully on board. Outside of the run game, we'll see. It's two games. Um, it's it's two what games. I said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's two games. Like, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Kelly, right now, he's at least put himself in a position where I think that he's going to be on somebody's staff. Now, whether or not he's going to be an offensive coordinator somewhere, he's probably viewed around the league as kind of like a Bill O'Brien yes man. And we'll, I'm sure somebody, especially if they continue with this sort of production, will find a place for him on their staff. But there's still issues, especially with our run game, that need to get worked out, and he doesn't have the experience yet to do so. Yeah, no, Brandon, I would agree. You know what? I do appreciate the fact that they pretty much switched to entirely zone, to to zone reads for for this past game because they simplified it. They weren't trying to mix a million different concepts, and hopefully that will bear a little bit more fruit going forward. But just simplifying it for David Johnson and for the offensive line that may help because that's when our offensive line has looked best in the past is when we simplified it for Lamar Miller and we threw out all the power. Um, and we went entirely to zone, he took off. It only took two years to do it. Um, and then last year of Carlos Hyde, they understood to run it behind um, Tunsil just every single time, which is why Sharping looked so good last year is because he was in a position where he was just run blocking. And, you know, that always makes you look better. And that also helped that Carlos Hyde was also really, really good for his entire career at going to the left. So this year, hopefully they'll figure out how to simplify it so David can kind of can step up. Um, and I think the idea of having that stretch outside zone, I think that's David's play. But we'll see. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I would agree. Um, is that better, Pat? <laughs> is, that, is that better? Anybody? No? Okay. Um, no, I think, uh, you know, how about this? Is this better for you guys? Um, no, I think, um, you know, I, I my biggest question with David is the fact that the he was able to 
what he was able to do in Kansas City, we we haven't we haven't seen that enough um, this season. And then that's 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 really the biggest issue that I have is the fact that we saw a rejuvenated, um, you know, David Johnson who looked fresh, looked spry, uh, looked to be used correctly at, uh, for seventy five percent of the game, and then um, we just haven't seen that same thing. So I agree. I think he, he's got to learn to um, he's got to learn to be able to you know after first contact gain more yardage. He's he needs to have better vision. Um, but they also need to run them outside more. Uh, and, and we still didn't really see that. You know, at the end of the game, you know, when we were trying to extend, you know, it, it dry, you know, uh, grind out the clock, uh, he had he had like an 11-yard gain to get us a first down. I mean, there's just times where he's done it, but it's just it's a lack of, of consistency that, that really is the issue. And, I, you know, I don't know if we're going to see a more consistent David Johnson. I don't know if we're going to see a more consistent um, – uh, you know, part of me team. wonders. He still has one of the highest time to li- or one of the sh- quickest time to line of sc- uh, line of scrimmage in the entire NFL. I usually, if we're going to start to run more zone, you want that number to go up. Like you do, want him to show more patience. Um, you want when a, when you're running power, you want your running back to be decisive follow his blocker, follow essentially the scheme. When you're running zone, you want him to show patience, wait for the hose to develop. So I think that that'll be a number to watch because last week he was still at 2.55 um, seconds to to the line. Yep. So put in perspective, Mixon, Swift, Freeman, and Jones were the only guys that were quicker, and each one of them ran in schemes that were more power. Yeah, let's just hope that we see some things that are a little different um, this week. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, all right, so uh, Jordan is about to join us for questions. Um, you know, I guess looking at the Green Bay game, expectations, John, for this game, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling? Are we going to get obliterated, or do you think the offense is going to keep up with them? I think we'll keep up with them. It's going to be close, and it's going to be annoying. And my – my little brother is actually a Green Bay fan. I don't know why. We we were both in our 20s before we even crossed the Mason-Dixon line. So I have no idea why he's a Green Bay fan, but he is. And he's hyper annoying, so I've got to deal with him. And Green Bay looks pretty good. Um, this past week, they laid a goose egg against Tampa Bay. And even good teams, that happens to even good teams. But Aaron Jones, I like him a lot. Um, A.J. Dillon has actually looked probably the best out of any of the running backs. So they have that one-two punch, which is terrifying because we can't stop the run. (laughs) So you go from Jones, who really has been able to handle the load as like an every every down back, and you put Dillon, who looks like a freight train. So, you know, I'm terrified. I'm absolutely terrified. Yeah, I would agree. I think – I think it's, you know, there's there's no reason for me to think this run defense is going to get any better in one week. Um I think ultimately, you know, it's it, they're going to control the clock, they're going to control the time of possession. And even if you don't this week, it, it's not going to matter. If you if somehow you stop the run, your secondary is going to get absolutely thrashed. 
So Aaron Rodgers is going to pick you apart all game. So, like, either way it goes, this defense stands no chance against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and the offense, you know, the offense will be fine. I expect the offense to put up points. I expect the offense to do what they need to do based on what we've seen the last two weeks. Their defense isn't anything to really brag about. Uh, but ultimately, I still think that we're going to lose this game. We could beat them. You know, we, we could beat them. They did just get mollywopped by the Bucks. Uh, who on offense are? I, I think we're a better offense than the Bucks, at least from a passing perspective. Um, Tom Brady has not looked good. Uh, they forced some turnovers early, and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I could see this game going away from us pretty early. Well, somebody threw out in chat. We really didn't give them the uh, the props they need, but our both of our tackles just played lights out. Oh, yeah, I actually have clips if anybody wants to see them. Uh, Titus Lockdown, my favorite defensive player in the league. I mean, literally locked him down. Mm-hmm. He, he shut down Jadavian Clowney as if Jadavian, that was Jadavian Clowney's first NFL game. John, are you there? Yep, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought you were following that up. I'm sorry. Um, oh. Yeah, uh, Titus Howard... I mean, he he looked fantastic against Clowney. You would have thought that Clowney would have been drooling because he does one-on-one against a guy that's essentially a rookie. And, yeah, um, Titus absolutely manhandled him. And then Tunsil has just leveled up. Tunsil's on another level right now. He's playing he's playing great ball. Like, oh, my God. That one clip where he um, he's engaged with his block and he puts his arm out and gets another guy. <laughs> And there's no holding, and it's perfectly clean, and he's holding two rushers at the same time. Like, dude, he is just – he's on another level right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't want Dabo, by the way. I'm totally off the Dabo train. I don't want anything to do with Dabo. Let's bring in – let's bring in the GOAT Jr. <laughs> Love that. Love that. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, dude. How are you? Good, good. I'm pretty good. A little busy, but we doing good. Yeah, we were talking about Titus just locking down Clowney all game. Oh, what a great game for him. What a great season, um, especially after that first game where everyone was on him, the oh, man. performance, but he's really turned it around. Yeah. Are you, are, you on, are you in the Dabo camp? No. I think we talked about this before, but Dabo is, number one, I don't know if he's going to come. Number two, I don't want him even if he wants to come. I don't see what he does well apart from having a relationship with Deshaun, and that's not going to get you wins. So I'm not on him. I think he's just a great recruiter, and I don't know how that's going to translate to the NFL. The only thing that he may do well that translates to the NFL is his ability to recruit coordinators. So whenever um, Clemson decides there's a coordinator that they want, they get so I will give him that credit because his ability to recruit is something else, but that's players and coordinators. However, I think a lot of his shtick would uh, run very, very thin on professional men. Let me ask you guys this, I guess, before we get into the questions. And Jordan, I'll start with you. Who's your top head coaching candidate as of right now for the Houston Texans? As of right now, it's still Eric Bieniemy. Um, for me, nothing's really changed since Bill since the day Bill O'Brien's gone fired. Um, he's still, in my opinion, the top offensive mind. Um, yes, there's talent on the Chiefs team, but he's still 
schemes them open every single play. It's ridiculous. Every even highlight I've watched the Chiefs games, these guys got ten yards of separation every single play. It's ridiculous. Um, and so I like I like what he brings. He he's my top guy, but it's not like a big separation from him and the other guys, Dabble, Salah, um, the other guys. But he's he's at top my top right now. Let me ask you this. Um, does it concern you that when Alex Smith was playing and Andy Reid was the OC, those guys were wide open 10 yards down the field too? Well, here's, here's the thing. Everyone talking about like, oh, it's Andy Reid's offense. Every offensive coordinator needs to learn from someone, uh-huh. and they need to figure out someone's scheme. They need to be able to run that, right? We've seen that um, the enemy is calling plays, and so I don't believe it's just Reid doing everything. And in my opinion – having a great kind of master or person to look up to to learn from, that's honestly a good thing. It's good to have a scheme that has had success over these years. And as long as he's the right guy to implement that and to still be able to call plays like he's doing now, like I think that's fine. Like I don't really get the whole point where, oh, it's all Andy Reid because like every offensive coordinator learns from someone. And yeah. so I think speaking to your point of Alex Reid – or sorry, um, Alex Smith balling out before, that's even better that shows that they can do it with a mediocre quarterback. Yeah, I, I guess uh, just to play devil's advocate here. So, let, you know, the, we've seen that the NFL every two to three years evolves, catches up to offenses, and defenses start to uh, be able to, you know, keep up with them. And schemes have to evolve and adapt. And we haven't had to see that from Eric Bieniemy yet because not a lot of teams can match up with the Chiefs. What What makes you think that? based on what we've seen from him as an offensive coordinator for a year, that he's going to be able to adapt and evolve his scheme to something else. Yeah, that's a good point. We haven't seen them have to struggle with it. And I guess talent does play a part in them not needing to evolve. But the scheme itself, if you have such a good of a scheme that you don't need to evolve and you don't, and defenses can't figure out a way to beat you, to me that speaks to the scheme as well. Um, And so I think that, that's like a question. So I, I think another thing is like with all these court, with all these candidates that we're going to get, each one of them, there's going to be worries. Each one of them is going to be concerns. And I think in your listing of like your, when you're ranking kind of which all your concerns, like what's most, most um, like worrisome to you versus least worrisome, I think kind of seeing like knowing if they can adapt or not, I feel like that's more on the lower list because you kind of have that question about everyone, in my opinion, if they can adapt or not. Um, so I don't know. That's just something that you're not going to be able to really tell until they're actually coaching your team. Okay. John, who's your number one candidate? I think I'm coming around to Robert Sala. Okay. Why? Um, well, just reading about his, him, not just his coaching scheme, but him as a coach and his relationship with the players. And he's bringing some of that shit. He'd probably bring, um, LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, as his coordinator, as his offensive coordinator. And he's got a history in the NFL. Like, I think that he seems like it's a little bit outside the box whenever you go with a defensive coordinator. Um, there's a reason why offensive coordinators typically get hired first or for head coaching jobs. You don't want to risk your offense falling out. You lose your coordinator. However, I'm beginning to see that there may be something strong to having somebody that's a professional that brings another perspective. And our defense really needs some help. 
maybe need somebody that they can really spend a lot of time on the defense and with that sort of focus. Because, I mean, O'Brien was an offensive coordinator, and he poured everything we had into our offense. And it was, granted, part of it was probably calling. Um, but just based on Robert Sala and his personality, I like him more than Eberflus over in um, in Indianapolis, even though I think he's a good coach as well. Like, this is not a dig on either one. I would actually be happy with either of the two of them. Ben and me will dabble up in Buffalo. Like, there's a lot of guys out there that I'd be happy with. But my favorite offenses that are run are run out of the Shanahan tree. Um, granted, I may be biased growing up with Kubiak, so you see it. And when you see how them run properly, how well and how it's a thing of beauty, how how they balance each other off. Like, play calling under one of the Shanahan tree coaches, and I'm talking about Mike Shanahan, so this includes his sons. It includes um, it includes quite a quite a few coach uh, coaches. But when they run and their play actions and their boots and they're all run well, like it's a thing of absolute beauty. And they every play feeds off the next play. So to get somebody that brings that sort of play calling style, plus a defensive-minded head coach, I think that might be the best way to go. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm coming around to both of them. Uh, I think for me, what I want to see this team do is take a massive risk. I want. I want to. I. I feel like we missed out on Shannon, on Kyle. I want to see us hit the next Kyle. Um, and to me, even though he has not a ton of of coaching experience, I think Joe Brady is a guy that um, I would like to see them really kind of go all out for. Just given what we've seen from him and where we've seen it, what we're seeing this year without Christian McCaffrey and with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, what we saw with him at the Saints as the passing game coordinator, what we saw with him at LSU. Um, I think Joe Brady is a guy that um, been around football his whole life, and he's super young. I think he's only like 31. So he'll probably get the same treatment as Kyle Shanahan, where they're going to tell him he's not ready yet. Uh, but I, I would I would not be opposed to um, taking a flyer on a guy that you're going to have to probably learn with him for the first year or two potentially. Um but he's going to be able to put the offense on the right side and has relationships throughout the league to be able to grab another young defensive coordinator to put this this defense in, in the in the right direction. So Joe Brady is my number one candidate. Okay. I mean, that's interesting, and I think you're right, because usually it's one of the reasons that I like Lincoln Riley is when typically coaches that are successful continue to have success. Now, there's always that that fear when you go from the NFL – or you go from college to the NFL. People like to look at Nick Saban, who bombed in Miami. But you also have to remember what he had to work with in Miami. So typically coaches that win continue to win. Like coaches that have good offenses continue to have good offenses. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that's kind of common sense where I think people – uh, that a hire coaches almost overthink it sometimes, and that's where you get those head scratchers of a hire. But guys that coach and coach well typically have success, and they typically have success at all levels. What are your thoughts, uh, Jordan? 
Yeah, my my only thing about Joe Brady, I love everything he brings. I love that he's young. I love that he has proven success um, at different levels. I love that what he's able to do. He's able to do more with less. Um, my only my only downside with Brady is that I don't think he would like the situation that he's in. Number one, he's in a good situation, and number two, I don't think he's going to leave because of that. Um, Carolina's a very ascending team. Matt Rule's a great head coach, and he just got there. It's only been one year. You don't see a lot of guys sign. I think he signed a four or five year contract. You don't see a lot of guys um, leave after one year. So I, I'm with you on all the, the X's and O's, the, that part of it. Um, but just the situation wise, it's going to be a little tricky. And, and I guess that's where you come from like swing for the fences, give him a godfather offer that could lure him away. And, and who doesn't want to coach Deshaun Watson? So, well, not only that, I mean, my, you, my only... you ultimately coach to get to head coach. So, like, if that position comes up, I would think that. It, whether you're in, you know, in an ascending offense or an ascending franchise, I would think that your aspirations, I mean, I would hope his aspirations are to be a head coach. And if they are, you would think that that would be a conversation that he would have. Yeah, I think that Joe Brady would definitely jump at the chance to become a head coach. My only, now that I think about it, my only concern, though, is he wasn't the offensive coordinator at LSU. He was the passing game coordinator. Yep. And then this is his first year as an offensive coordinator with Panthers. Yep. So, yeah, he's done a lot with what he's had, but he hasn't had a lot of experience. Do we know that he can build a staff? Do we know that he can – that he even has the connections in, in the NFL to reach out to the right guys? He may be one of those guys that comes in, and he could put in a, a plus-plus offense and just do absolute magic but then he's cycling through a defensive coordinator every single year because we can't get the right one. Well, that's why the GM also plays a big part in this too, right? You're going to have to have the right GM to pair with him. I think that seems to be a piece that people are overlooking 100%. Everybody's talking about the head coaching candidate. Nobody's talking about the general manager, which is the first step that this team is going to have to take and will take. Um, So if you have that stability at general manager and you have a proven guy that can build rosters – uh, you would hope that he would also help guide this young head coach and have his connections to come in and be able to help put together a coaching staff as well if he is lacking in that area. Go ahead, Jordan. Um, no, I was going to just basically touch on what you said. Is At the end of the day, like no matter the coach that we hire, no matter the coordinators that we hire, what's clear about this team right now is that they need an influx of talent. And so that's where you you're, you hit the nail on the head. Like the GM needs to, the GM has, they're in a tough position, but also they have a lot of potential with this roster with how we have already our franchise quarterback. That's always the hardest thing for a GM find your franchise quarterback. We've got that. And we've even got the franchise left tackle to protect him. And, and so right. from there on, and right tackle. And from there on, you got to fill out the other role players and get another star or two on defense and and that's what's going to, at the end of the day, make all the difference because we still need the players. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, uh, Jordan, let's go through Let's go through questions. Um, I, I think, well, we have a question about GMs. Do you guys have any thoughts on GMs? I haven't done a ton of research on GMs. I know the guy in Kansas City um, that's underneath, um, what's his name, is, is, is a hot name. But outside of that, I really haven't paid a ton of attention uh, to, you know, potential GMs. I, I love Aussie Newsom. I, I think Aussie Newsom would be probably at the top of my list of general managers, uh, considering he's a consultant right now with uh, with the Ravens. He's always drafted well. He's built great defenses. Uh, seems to always hit in the later rounds, which is really what this team is going to need, especially with this first year. But uh, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts, Jordan, on uh, general managers. 
Uh, I'm kind of with you in the same boat. I haven't done as much research um, with GMs as I have coaches. Um, but one name, just to throw another name out there, is Ed Dodds um, of the Co- of the Colts. They have consistently over the past, like I'd say, five, three to five years, they've drafted super, super well. And they've placed an emphasis on the trenches, which is, I think, what we need to do. They built their offensive line finally, and now they've been building their defensive line and building a good defense. And I think they are very good at, at hitting on their top picks, but also finding steals later in the rounds, and, and that's exactly what we need. So he's definitely a name to look out for. Oh. I Go. love the I actually love the idea of bringing Ozzie Newsom and having him as like the vice president or president of football operations. And it's similar to what Rich McKay did in Atlanta. Rich McKay, when he decided he didn't want to be a general manager anymore, the Falcons hired him away from being an advisor in Tampa to come up and essentially take over all the football operations. And granted, the Falcons are a, a steaming pile right now. They got a lot better when he did that. They, he brought consistency. He brought a mindset. Um, I think that if we did the same thing for Newsom, if he came over and Cal was just like, you run all of football, we could handle the snake that's in the building. He could bring in one of his guys. Because the one thing that Newsom has done is he finds talent everywhere. This is not just at drafting. This was also the coaching staff. This was also their scouts. Like, he finds it everywhere. And give him a sweetheart deal. It's like, here's your fran- here's a franchise. You remake it in your image. And he gets out of doing the day-to-day BS work that comes with being the GM. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Newsom for me is the fact that he brings credibility, uh, which, and to me, if, if Easterby does have Cal's ear, this, we have a guy who has won Super Bowls, has built franchises and organizations from the ground up when they moved to Baltimore, um, and it was Baltimore's always seeping with talent. They have talent at all spots. They might have the best secondary in the league. They have a great defensive line that they've developed. Matt Judon was a fifth-round pick. Brandon Williams was a fourth-round pick. So, um, yeah, like I, I'm looking for a guy that could come in with credibility immediately and be able to earn or show Cal that, you know, he has a full grasp of what needs to happen within the organization and that Easter B is either gone or is, is held in check. Uh, ultimately, that's kind of my thought, uh, you know, bringing in a new guy. Uh, my concern with bringing in a new guy is that Easter B still has the ear. Easter B still has all these other things that ultimately put us in kind of a similar situation to what we're in now. And I, I want to avoid that at all costs, if that makes any sense. I don't know if you have any comments, Jordan. Uh, no, I'm I'm with you on that. Like, I think Easterby, I don't know if he's, it doesn't sound like he's ever going to be fully out of the picture like we want, but getting him to handle as little of the football operations is definitely um, ideal. Yep, agreed. All right, let's get into the questions. All right, questions from you guys. Uh, first one from at Barry Allen eight nine nine. He asks, if we had Gary on Conley and if Weaver started the goats Jacob Martin over Whit and Grenard. Oh, sorry, the goat Jacob Martin over Whitney and Grenard over Scarlett. How much better do you think the defense would be? What do you think about that, James? So basically, Gary Conley's healthy, and then the goat and Grenard are your starting outside linebackers. I think you stop the run better because Jonathan Grenard can set an edge um, better than Brendan Scarlett. I think Jacob Martin is just as good uh, against the run as Whitney Merciless, and he'll get better. He's shown that he develops. Um, he's a young guy that you still want to see develop. 
And then Gary and Conley cha- just changes the way this defense is played. Uh, they're able to go to more man looks because he, he's not going to be burnt toast. Um, and, you know, you can continue to just throw Lonnie at safety, I guess, uh, considering that we have no corners and you're still playing him at safety. is is just it, – it, it's so bothersome to me. Um, and But, yeah, I think the defense is better. I do. You know, Jonathan Grenard's going to be a learn on the job, so it's going to take time for him to develop. He's going to make mistakes. But the one thing that he did really well in college was set the edge. Uh, it was something that he did extremely well, and we're we're missing that completely. Um, so yeah, I think the defense would be a lot better. The problem is that they're not going to do that. They, they've we talked about it before you you got on here, Jordan. The biggest frustration I have with this team is the fact that you know remember after the KC game, me and Jordan were talking about how uh, personnel was changing a lot. You know, PJ Hall ended up getting a ton of snaps. It looked like there was some true. Um, adjustments being made to the personnel. Now there's a complete lack of it. You know, there's a complete lack of it. We're still playing Lonnie at safety, even though Vernon Hargraves can't cover anything. He Lonnie would be better at corner than Vernon Hargraves. Uh, and Michael Thomas would be fine taking that third safety spot. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't have the issues that we have now. Uh, and then just with Conley, like, of course, like Conley is the best cornerback on this team. Uh, all the stuff that happened to Roby against A.J. Brown would not have happened with Conley out there. You could have put Conley on A.J. Brown, and there would have been things – the catch wouldn't have never happened in the end zone. There's just so many different things that Conley brings to this team, and it sucks that he's not going to be back this season. I mean, I know it hasn't been reported, but, I mean, there's really no reason to bring him back now. Uh, you might as well IR him for the rest of the year and hope that you can sign him to a cheap team-friendly deal. But, um, you know, unless this team goes on like a seven-game win streak, maybe then we see him. But – Outside of that, yeah, those adjustments would make this defense a lot better, but it's not going to fix the tackling. It's not going to fix their gap discipline, and it's not going to make Zach Cunningham and Justin Reed play the way that we've grown accustomed to them playing outside of these first five games of the season. Yeah, you really said everything that honestly could have possibly been said. Um, John, do you have anything to add on, or should I move on to the next one? I mean, there's nothing more to say. We would be better. And that's not saying much, but we would be better. (laughs) Can't get much worse. All right, next one from Daniel Blake Hill. He says, how heartbroken should I be when Easterby brings his boy, uh, Josh McDaniels and Nick Casario, to be the head coach and the GM? Why do we got to be Pat South? This is, a, I think, a nightmare situation for all of us. Uh, John, you want to give us your thoughts? I'm just tired of the Patriots mentality. Um, There was – I – have to eat crow on a a lot of things because I tried to stand up for it, but let's, let's get it right. The only person that can make it work is Belichick himself. There's just too much that apparently goes into it that you need to have that special sauce. And that special sauce is Belichick. Josh McDaniels. I mean, I'll support him if he's our head coach. I won't be happy about it. Same with Cesario. Like, I won't be happy about it. I'll I'll kind of dread for the worst, but we're not going to be able to recreate the Patriots magic. I believe you need to go out, and I'm. the more I think about it, the more I'm on board with what James, as you go out and you find somebody that is proven to bring somebody in and develop people. And that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for a GM that has somewhat of a of a track record where they've actually had some sort of control. And with the Patriots, I don't know if anybody has control other than Belichick. 
Like, whenever anybody leaves that organization, they fall flat on their face, which leads me to say that Belichick really does have a finger in everything. And he is the special sauce that makes it all go because he doesn't let go. And when they are out on their own, they think they've learned from him and they try and copy him. And then it, we end up with Bill O'Brien. Yeah, I'm exactly with you. I think the the only other thing really is like with Easterby, he'd be essentially hiring his, his best friends, right? His friends of the Patriots. And you, you don't get into business with, with like your friends, with your family, those type of guys, right? Because then you, you're not going to, you just can't hold each other accountable to the same extent that you would if you're hiring essentially a stranger, just not a friend. You know what I mean? So I think that's another thing to look at because at the end of the day, like, even if we say we hire a GM and if they start to make mistakes or if we hire a coach, they start to make mistakes. They got to be held accountable for that. They got to be, they got to be on the hot seat. They got to have pressure, whatever it is. You know what I mean? And with creating this entire new Patriots culture, I, I don't see that happening. Um, so that's definitely a no go for me. All right. Next one from please hire Eric B He says, do you seriously see us trading JJ Watts? There are a lot of trade rumors today going on. Just a lot of talk, not rumors, I guess. Um, but he says, I think it, it would tear apart the locker room. Uh, we can't keep trading away franchise players, and he'd be the last straw, in his opinion. James, hit us with JJ talk. Yeah, I, I, um, I disagree with the locker room aspect. You know, if you trade into a contender, let him go out and compete for, for, for a ring. I think it actually might send uh, the right message to the locker room that we appreciate what you've done and we're willing to make sacrifices for you to be able to go accomplish what you set out to accomplish. Um. But I'll be 100% clear that there's no no way in in hell that Cal McNair is going to give up the cash cow that is J.J. Watt. It's not happening. I, I don't care what the offer is. It's it's not happening. Uh, you know, I've seen people say, you know, two first-round picks. First of all, nobody's offering two first-round picks for J.J. Watt. So that's a scenario that doesn't even matter. The highest I think you could probably get for J.J. right now is probably a second. Um I, you know, I think I'm with you, Jordan. I think you know the one team that you could you could look at would potentially be Green Bay. But you you would I would think if you want a first, you're going to have to add another wide receiver. You're going to have to add a wide receiver. It's going to have to be a package deal because they also need other help. Um, but you know, I also don't want to see Kenny Stills traded. I, I have hope that we sign Kenny Stills and he's actually our number two next year. Um, I think Kenny Stills is getting the uh, raw end of the stick this year, in my opinion. I would start him over Cooks. He would be opposite of Fuller. I think Stills is that talented, and I just don't think that people have seen it. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I just I don't. I, it, it's talk from the fan base. Um, there's no way they're going to make a business decision because you have to remember at the end of the day, the reason why they are here as owners is to make money, and JJ makes too much for this franchise for them to do it. You also have to keep in mind, like we've messed up with, you know, three of our you know legends on this team. Not not one has retired as a Texan and played their entire career as a Texan. Um, and I think that that's, you know, if they're going to have one player do it, it's going to be J.J. Watt. Yeah, I think just to – you said everything, but, like, just to piggyback off it real quick, um, from a football standpoint, sure, it, it makes sense. You want to trade one of your most valuable assets. You're trying to recoup draft capital. I get that. I get where everyone's coming from. But from a from an organizational standpoint is basically what James is saying. Like, it just does not make sense. Um, and so that's why if we were if we were betting men, we're not we're not gonna don't bet money on JJ Watt being traded. This is essentially what we're saying. Um, okay, last one, and we'll get out of here. But from Mark Kubeska, pardon me if I pronounced that wrong, but he says, do you think any of the Texans linebackers are a lock to be on the team next year, John? 
the way they're playing right now, no. <laughs> I know that Cunningham just signed that contract, so he probably will be. Uh, but BMAC, I can't see him. Um, Adams, I, I don't even think he signed after this year. So, yeah, we're going to have an inside linebacker issue next year. And it's Jacob Martin. Is this year Jacob Martin's uh, contract year as well? He's got one more year. Okay. Yeah, I think he has one more. But um, Merciless, that contract has so much dead money. I don't. I don't see us cutting him. But who knows who comes in as our GM and how aggressive they are, um, especially if he's not contributing or if he's continuing to contribute how he is. And I don't really see anybody trading for him as much as we want. I mean, yeah, and I'm even mixed feelings on how I feel about trading for him because I like him. I just – he's just not producing what we need him to produce at that contract level. Yeah, um, quickly touching on Merck, I think for a trade, I think honestly the best that we could get is like a fifth, maybe a fourth if we're lucky. He's one of those contracts that you honestly might have to tag on a pick to get rid of, um, kind of like an Osweiler situation. Um, maybe not that high of a pick as Osweiler because Merck's deal is essentially only two years. You can cut him in two years um, for no dead cap, so maybe it won't have to be as high of a pick, but that's what it's looking like. Um, but to, yeah, to answer your question, like linebackers, basically everyone except for Deshaun Watson, Laramie Tunsil, and in my opinion, Bradley Roby, everyone else to me is not untouchable. Everyone else you can at least field calls for. You're not going to be going actively shopping for every single person. You're not actively shopping Cunningham, Reed. That's not what I'm saying. But you are going to pick up the phone if a GM calls and offers you them, offers you something for them. Everyone else. And so the linebacker room is going to look very different in my opinion. The entire defense can, is going to look very different. Um, we're going to see a lot of turnover and, and that's going to impact the prospects of the team going forward. And that's why we're all saying it could take another year or two um, to get back into that contention, but we'll see what's we'll see what the case is going forward. I think the names that I would I, I wouldn't be surprised that we see um, in in rumors come the trade deadline and here in a week and a half or two weeks is, is Will Fuller contract year. Uh, somebody might take a flyer on him, uh, and, and we're not going to resign him. Uh, we could franchise him, but that's really about the only situation I see that would be smart for us to do. Uh, people keep saying Brandon Cooks, but that's not happening with Easterby here. I just don't I, – I, I, he's specifically traded for Brandon Cooks. I, I don't – you're not going to trade for a guy and then trade him again um, midseason. It makes you look bad as an organization too. It's just – it looks it, – it makes you look sloppy. Uh, Kenny Stills is another name I would watch. Um, and, and those are probably – you can't trade anybody on defense because outside of, you know, Whitney, um, you don't have the talent to replace them. You don't have anything. Like – you can't trade Zach. You're not going to trade Zach based on the first five games anyways because of what we've seen from him in the first three seasons of his career. Uh, he's down. I get it. I'm so disappointed in what I've seen from Zach. Um, it, it's probably the most frustrating. Like I said, him and Justin are both disappointments this this year so far. Um, but you're not going to trade them. You're not going to trade either one of them. So if there's anybody traded, it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for all the for the questions I got today. Thank you guys very much for the questions. Sweet, guys. All right, well, thank you, Jordan, for joining us, and thanks, John, as usual. Make sure you guys go to manscaped.com. Use promo code TEXANS for your 20% off your first order. Uh, that puts money in our pockets once you guys do that, and we get to 10, so we appreciate the support. Um, make sure you guys go to TexansUnfiltered.com. Uh, my article should be up here within the end of the week. 
Jordan just put up an article today talking about how Titus basically just wrecked Jadavian Clowney the entire game, uh, and he did. And um, you can go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me on Twitter at HoustonFBPodGuy. You can follow John at John A. Wade, uh, John A. Wade 3. You can follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts. You can follow Patrick Storm at Patrick Storm to you, and you can follow Jair at JRL Sports to you. Uh, and with that being said, I'm Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week.